thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! And I think this program is poised for greatness. It is poised for greatness. Great leadership in athletics and on the university side, a loaded roster, a great group of young men. I'm very hopeful that they will retain our staff and keep that intact because I think that continuity is a huge part of the success here. And, uh, and it's time for those guys to roll. Welcome, everybody, to the r and Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us. We are the Ryans of the R&R Cat Cast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We're happy to be brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls with a second tap room in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They are now canning their hazy IPA. It's in grocery stores out there right now, and it's, uh, it's juicy. It's awesome beer, so go look for it. Thorny. We have today the Arnar Sadcast. It really, yeah, it really is. Like oh. my my emotions have been all over the place, but overall, yeah, I'm just sad. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, uh, we are <laughs> we have to do a an emergency podcast because our beloved head coach Jeff Choate is taking a job at Texas. Texas Longhorns as the co-defensive coordinator, as well as the coach for the inside linebackers. Sidebar, big time program. They have a coach for inside linebackers. That means they also have a coach for outside linebackers. Yeah. And free safeties and strong safeties and boundary corners. Anyway, tangent. (laughs) Yeah, because we're just talking right now to mask our pain, really. Yes, uh, we are anywhere on the grieving process. You just throw a dart. We've, we're there all all at the same time. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere at, all at the same time. So it's it's been a hard day. It's been a hard weekend. And uh, I guess we're here to talk about it for a little bit of catharsis for both of you and I. But uh, yeah, so we're going to try to keep keep on track we do have an outline for for the show (laughs) which was hard enough to come up with (laughs) yeah Uh, we will get into what we're drinking here in a moment Uh, but when we get into the jeff chote news we're going to talk about our initial reaction just as fans uh and then after we we learn the reasons why we're going to give you a reaction to the why from there we will talk about jeff jeff chote's legacy and finally we're going to look kind of like going forward what's next I think we have a a good story at the very end, uh, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, who knows where this is going to take us, but I mean, that's the best we can do is try and like put in the segments the parts we want to talk about instead of just rambling about Jeff Choate the entire time. So we're going to give it a whirl. Um, but yeah, you're mentioning the emotions running all over the place. Can you imagine if we had tried to do this last night? Mm. I don't know about you. I feel a lot different about it today than I did last night, and we'll certainly get into that. But uh, just, yeah, that would have been an interesting podcast last night. Probably would have gone right into the recycle bin on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were pretty upset last night, so I'm glad we didn't. Um, we did We did gain some perspective today, and we were fortunate enough 
uh, our our friend of the podcast and friend in general, the sports information director, Bill Lamberty, was was kind enough to give us uh, the Zoom the Zoom conference uh, that was was held today with uh, the reporters and media members, uh, John Miller, Sean Rainey, Alex Eshelman, Colton Poole, Colton Nuanas, Craig Haley, uh, and it, um, maybe one more person, but uh, we have that sound. And so we will be playing sound clips uh, from those, from the questions asked by those media members. And uh, we will do our best to give credit to, to them when, uh, when we play those, uh, those clips. Yeah, and we'll try our best to make this a smooth transition, but uh, not something we do a lot of playing clips here. So just bear with us on that one as well. All right. Before we get into the sad news, let's get into the good news. What are we drinking tonight, Thorny? So those of you who've listened to this show for a while know that sometime during the last season of the Bobcats played football, so now 2019, I think it was after, after the North Dakota game, I bought a beer. I believe what started, it was called the Golden Grit by the Bale Breaker. It's Bale Breaker's a brewery, right? Yes. So, which I haven't found since, which is just, I'm distraught about this, but I bought it because of the name. It was like an IPA. I don't buy IPAs, if anyone listens to the show also knows that. But I bought it because of the name, and I kept doing that for the rest of the year, kind of superstitious thing, and we kept winning. What are you going to say? So it's been since then where I've actually gone beer shopping to buy a beer that the name encapsulate, encapsulates what I either, I'm either feeling or a mood I want to set, a tone I want to set for the Bobcats, whatever. So tonight, I found myself a beer simply called Dang. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Dang Citra IPA from Hellbent over here in Seattle. I imagine they mean dang in a good way, but dang can be interpreted any way I want to. Like dang or dang, you know, however I want. I'm going to take it the sad way. So that's what I'm drinking. It is a 60 IBUs, 6.6% alcohol. I might actually not hate Citra IPAs fully. This is like the second one I've had where I'm like, you know what? Okay. So there you go. I bought a, a Citra IPA I don't hate. And also, dang. Dang. Well, Citra Hops is my favorite hops. I always look forward on the hop profile when I'm buying beer. And so, good choice, man. I've never seen that one in the stores, but sounds good to me. Funny note is the labels are very slipshod. There's multiple ones that have like the logo facing all different directions. (laughs) 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 That's pretty funny. We we usually talk about labels too (laughs) sometimes and... That is the only thing of note on this label is how poorly they were put on there. <laughs> well, I, I had to make an emergency rap run to the grocery store to get mine because I knew this was coming up today. I got what is called the Space Needle IPA from Pike Brewing right there in Seattle, Washington. It has Cascade, Centennial, and Citra Hops. It has six, uh, 6%. 59 IBU. So I guess you and I, for once, are probably drinking a very similar beer. Mine's more bitter than yours. That might actually be a record, at least according yeah. to the IBUs. It is a, it is a beautiful can and it does have a blue and gold color scheme to it. So it caught my eye right away. And, you know, here it is in the coolie, the golden coolie. It's tasting pretty good. All right. Well, now that we've had a beer in our system, talking about it anyway... What are we going to talk about next? Well, let's just get right into the sadness, man. Let's just uh, jump into the dark hole that is uh, Jeff Choate leaving. And um, the, the <laughs> dark abyss. About- and it, it, uh, full disclosure, like this is a fan based podcast and we are happy to talk to you with our fans lens. I mean, we are afforded some luxuries here and there uh, with some some news and we're always uh, going to give you that news if we can. But uh, for, for the most part, Ryan and I, we're just two dads who live in Washington, you know, separated from the program. And we just comb the internet, you know, Twitter. And we have friends who talk to us about it. So this was all came to us, what, last night at well, Friday night? Yeah, so that the first we actually heard about this was both the Grizz guys from the Grizz fan pod in our giant Big Sky Podcast, but Big Sky Podcast Network Twitter conversation started talking about 
they're hearing rumblings of some big sky coaches being gone. It's going to be a major shakeup. And like, oh man, are they talking about Chote? And like, it was like less than 45 minutes after that. Like maybe it was Jason Walker. I don't remember who the first one in Montana to kind of confirm it was. And all of a sudden that was boom. So it happened in a span of, we heard the rumors at like six and then like 6.45, Chote's gone. <laughs> it was fast. It was so it was... fast. I think that's part of the the sting of the whole thing too, is it was just like the rug just pulled out from under you. So tell me, so our first part is their initial reaction. What happened to you, Ryan? Well, when we need, I need to set the stage for this too, because the information had not become fully clear on what had happened mm-hmm. yet. The initial reporting was that Jeff Choate was leaving Montana State to become the linebackers coach at Texas, which is a little different than co-defensive coordinator. In fact, maybe Jeff Choate was hired as a linebackers coach and he, he negotiated his way into co-defensive coordinator position to basically get himself a pay bump. I don't know. But the point is, at the time, it was just a position coach is what was announced. So my initial reaction was that I'm thinking Jeff Choate left University of Washington as a defensive line coach to come to Montana State. He works his way up to, you know, the great season he had last year and all that stuff. And then he gets the interview with Boise State, becomes a finalist at Boise State, a place I would imagine is a kind of a dream head coaching job for him. So this is all within seven days. Last Friday, he turns out he didn't get the job. Boise State hires Andy Avalos. And like Jeff comes out with the, his, his tweet that we read on the last podcast about being, you know, committed to Montana State and all that stuff. And then like on Friday, yesterday, all of a sudden, like, hey, uh, Texas, bye. It seemed very sudden. It seemed weird that he would leave to take a position group or position coaching spot. So my initial reaction after absorbing all this information and thinking about how, the timeline of it, the tweet about being committed, and then all of a sudden he's gone. I was actually a little angry. I thought, like, why is he leaving here to take a just a position group? He could have done that at any point. Pretty much during the last two or three years, for sure, he could have been a linebacker's coach at UW. He could be a linebacker. He could be a linebacker's coach anywhere. Why mm-hmm. is it now? Why is this happening right now? Is I'm also thinking like is something gone on behind the scenes? Is there is there a rift between Jeff Choate and Leon Costello? Is he just that fed up with not playing football? He's like, you know what? I'm taking the first bus out of here. All my initial reactions were honestly pretty negative, and a lot of it kind of stemmed from the position, um, the fact that he was just going to be a linebackers coach, a position coach, and the fact that he had just come off the Boise State thing, and the, the turnaround was so fast, it just seemed like he didn't get that job. So he just went like searching for the next possible job and got out. So my initial initial reactions were unfortunately all negative. I'll admit that right here. How about you, Foley? What were your first thoughts? I was confused. I was really confused, and and I felt like abandoned. It, it would be probably a good term I would put there. Um, a couple of people texted me with this, you know, asking like. Hey, what do you think on this? And I was just like, man, I have no clue, but I feel gut punched. And fortunately enough for me, when I feel that kind of thing and like anger, anger was definitely there. Uh, I had like a running group last night and uh, we hit the trail and I was able to pound out some miles and I felt a little bit better. I had a little bit more perspective after just, you know, running mindlessly thinking about it. I was still sad. I mean, I was moving into the sad stage at that moment. Um, you know, you'd mine your phone. You just just continue to hit to you know refresh on the Twitter, and and so much stuff was coming out. It was going so fast, so fast. And then I just you know at one point, thorny, I just like closed my phone. I was like, I, I just it is what it is. You know, Bobcat Nation was blown up. Twitter had already blown up, and the text messages were coming in. So it, it was just overload. And so I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to sleep on this. I woke up this morning and I still felt really crappy. So that was my initial reaction. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely, you're right. I was also confused. Like this is a confusing move to me, a, a lateral step down. I guess that's why I went up. My head went all to these conspiracy theories about he's unhappy with MSU. He's unhappy with the MSU ad- administration. He's happy with Costello, Cruzado, whatever. Like that just didn't make sense. It didn't compute to me why he would leave after last season. After, Getting so close to being a head coach at a very 
top tier G5 school, all this. And then he's just like, I'm going to be linebacker coach at Texas now. Like what? Texas? You don't even like all of his coaching careers, like all Pacific Northwest stuff too. So it just, it didn't make sense from anything except for the fact that, I mean, it was obvious that the Pete Kwiatkowski connection was there. And does he have experience with Steve Sarkeesian? I, I don't remember. I couldn't piece that together today. I was looking for some sort wasn't of wasn't like, at UW for time. I don't yeah. know. I really don't know. I'm like, it's funny. Uh, sidebar here. You and I are huge FCS fans. I really don't pay attention to FBS football at all. I know you do a little bit with Cougs. I, I have no idea what goes on there. I, I watch the big time games, so uh, I hear about coaches. I don't really know as much as I would about the head coach at like James Madison. I probably know more about that. But anyway, um, yeah, the whole thing just was confusing to me. So. I was confused. I was angry and uh, I'm not sure how I felt when I went to bed on Friday, but it certainly wasn't good, but uh, things certainly changed today. But yeah, talking about initial reactions now, they're all not great. So let's go ahead. Uh, I think it's a good time to play an audio clip here about, we're talking about the timing of it, the week, you know, just a less or seven days after the Boise state announcement of Andy Avalos. We have a clip here from the press conference today about Jeff Ch- Jeff Choate kind of talking about um, how it went down and how it's a little bit um, unfortunate how it went down. So let's play that clip for you. Um, it was unfortunate the way it went down. That's one of the things that I regret that, uh, you know, this wasn't something that I was aware of early in the week. This started to happen on Wednesday and didn't really get legs until yesterday. And uh, so, um, you know, I know sometimes it can come off as disingenuous. I just think, you know, people have to understand in this day and age, I can't control, I can't control the message. And uh, that was unfortunate because I did have to kind of scramble last night and put together a Zoom meeting at 730. And then, uh, you know, after that, call my staff. And and, uh, um, and so that was unfortunate. And um, that was definitely regrettable. But I did get an opportunity to address the team today. So that was Jeff Choke kind of talking about the timeline um, how we couldn't control how it all happened. Um, how I get, I don't know if leaks the right word, but it kind of, it got out before he had a chance to talk to anyone. I think he can't control that. And, he, and at some point during the press conference too, he talks about, you can't control when opportunities come your way either. So it was just all just a big, huge rush for Jeff Cho too. Just a rush for everybody. So that was um, Jeff Choate's kind of take on how it all unfolded. Um, what did you think of Jeff Choate's uh, little speech there, for lack of a better word? Yeah, well, I mean, he was pretty genuine. I mean, that, that's one thing I really love about Jeff Choate. Always have is he's just going to be honest with you. He's going to tell you just straight up he's how so he feels. so candid. Yeah. It's a gift of his, honestly. It just reminded me, like, Hearing his words right there, just I was picturing myself just like putting myself in that timeline. I was like, what was I doing at the time? I was, I was scrolling through Twitter and you would see like a couple of players putting a couple of things out there and they're like, they felt hurt. They're like, he told who? Surprised. <laughs> yeah. Surprised, yeah. Surprised. Hurt. Like they were like, you could tell the players had not found out yet. Yeah. And, and it looked bad. It looked bad for, for MSU and not and, and like to even go back even a week ago or two weeks ago. I can't remember when the Boise thing ended. It, it's all like a mess now, but he put out that tweet, you know, you know, things are good here or this is not, uh, this is uh this is a place for me to be right now for many reasons, unfinished business. And so you're like, was that just a lie? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um, you well, felt kind of funny, uh, sidebar here real quick. Uh, remember how we had on the last podcast about the Boise State thing, I read into that tweet differently than you. Yeah. I don't know if that, if I was correct on that or not, but it's interesting that I read that a little bit more negatively and here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, so let's just, you know, put a cap on our initial reaction. We were both hurt, uh, confused, angry, sad. We were feeling all the big feels last night for sure. I do want to say it's interesting to the dynamic here before we move on to the next segment here is that I would have been super happy for Jeff Choate. Very sad for myself, but so happy for Jeff Choate if he got the Boise State job. And then when it was announced that he was going to Texas, I felt like none of that. <laughs> Whole different dynamic between the the big process. You hear he's interviewing, like just the transparent process throughout that thing. And then all of a sudden, like, like 45 minutes of news, like, 
oh, here, Jeff Cho might be gone and he's gone. Like I felt very differently about these situations. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. All right. So a big question now that we're kind of setting the stage for is why, why is, did Jeff Choate take this job? Why did he leave MSU? And I think a good place to start on this is actually a quote from Jeff Choate or uh, from his press conference. And, and Ryan, you had just talked about this too, about him reiterating, maybe, you know, I'm happy to be at MSU. Was he unhappy with MSU? Let's play a quote right here. And there were some other things that came up. This was not the only opportunity that fell in my lap over the last couple of weeks. Um, but this was the one that was the right fit for me at this point in time. And there's a variety of reasons. And as I told our players, I mean, the why is kind of irrelevant, but I know that's what people are going to want to know. And what I can promise you is that the why is not about Montana State. It's not about, you know, Leon not doing everything he could to help make this the best place for me and my family. Waded, not, I mean, she gave us so much tremendous support. And so this was not about Montana State not trying to do what they had to do to keep me here. That is not what this is about at all. And, and I know you don't know me well. Uh, Bill can probably speak to this. I'm a man of principle and conviction. And, uh, you know, if I'm going to talk to these young men about, hey, you've got to take a jump. You, if you want to be great, if you want to achieve your goals, if you want to live your dream, you're not going to get that by standing on the sidelines. So go put yourself out there and, and be your best self. And whatever happens, you can live with it. And I have, uh, I've, I've tried to live my life with no regrets. And I have absolutely no regrets about my time in Bozeman, Montana. Bully, what are your thoughts? When I heard him say that, like, it started to help me rationalize this whole thing and gave me a little bit of peace. I mean, I still feel sad, but I was like, I believe Jeff Chode. I've always believed everything he has said. <laughs> I've never felt he has been disingenuous at any point. And so when I when I hear him uh, say, you know, it wasn't Leon's fault, it wasn't Wadad's fault, it wasn't Montana's fault or Montana State's fault, kind of massage the fears that I was building up in my head. Same here. I mean, I don't know at what point I started feeling better about this. It was actually before this press press conference, but after listening to this press conference, I, you know, this completely changed, changed my tune. And uh, of course, obviously at this point, it's become known that he's the co-defensive coordinator, not just a linebackers coach, which is going to be a substantial pay upgrade. I've heard anywhere. I think the figures floating around are like anywhere from 600,000 to a million, I think is what I've been hearing, or maybe 600 to 800. Either way, I mean, that's borderline triple what he's making at MSU. But, you know, when he said that, it kind of put some fears to ease that maybe there was some sort of rift in in the athletic department. Because like you said, there's one thing, Jeff Choate may be a lot of things, whatever you want to say about Jeff Choate. I do not believe he is a liar. I do not believe he can lie, really. I think he just says it like it is. And I think maybe there'd be some sort of situation where he would say something by not saying something. But the fact that he said all this, uh, I believe him. And I it did put my mind to ease a little bit on any issues with Montana State and Jeff Choate. So that whole... I put out a hot take on Twitter, which I very much don't do. I said, hot take, Jeff Choate, one of the first busts out of Bozeman. After reviewing all this stuff, like that's, I do not agree with myself on that one. So that's why hot takes are stupid and I shouldn't ever do them. <laughs> Last night I was like, maybe you shouldn't put that out there right now. You're in I'm your... going to do one. So I'm going to do one. <laughs> yeah. Bad choice. So he didn't, uh, we have a clip on um, talking about what was the hardest part for Jeff Choate. Do you have that ready, Ryan? Yep, I got that coming up from here. And this is uh, in response to a question from Coulter Nuanez of Nuanez Now, ESPN Missoula, and Skyline Sports. We have Coulter's question in here as well, but uh, we like to credit as we go. So here we go. Two more for me. One, what was the hardest part about this decision for you? My family and our players. Um, the hardest conversation that I had was with my son. That was the hardest conversation. My daughter was my biggest cheerleader. She's always up for an adventure um, and then talking to our staff and players because that was, I mean, I'm, I'm invested here. I never cheated anybody here, Cole. I never cheated anybody. I gave this place my best and I gave those boys my best. And uh, you know, when you put your whole self into something, it's going to hurt and uh, that's okay. That clip is brutal, man. Yeah. So about this time when we were watching this zoom, yeah, we, I, we need to say that we're privy to the video on this. I don't think, I don't know if it, did this make it onto the YouTube or not? Usually press conferences do, but the video on the, even makes this more gut-wrenching. 
Yeah, it was um, tears were I mean, tears were in his eyes. Tears were in my eyes. I'll just be straight up honest. Uh, Jeff Cho pulls up some heartstrings for me. He 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 feels like a father figure and having my father just passed away this past year. I don't know. It's just a concoction that still is hard for me. Um, so like <laughs> hearing him talk about what was hard for him talking to his son, man, the whole father dynamic is uh, just hit hard for me right there. So whew, yeah, that's, that was a tough one to listen to. You can hear it in his voice. Like even yeah. if you don't watch the video, there's a couple of times where his voice wavers there. And he, he also was spaced out in his talking, like, cause he was like collecting himself, trying not to like try, trying to hold together. So there's, like I said, there's a lot of things you can say about Jeff Joe, a lot of things you can say about anybody, but he is not, he's very genuine and he cares. All right. He cares about the players, his players. Number one, he cares about his coaches. Number two, which he also considers like, you know, people he's mentoring, like, yeah. He's like, like you said, he's like a father figure. He just cares about it so much. And I genuinely believe this was an extremely hard decision for Jeff Choate and a hard, hard news to have to break to everybody, including his family. Yeah. He had mentioned in that interview that he would have to actually leave the building, the, the, the Montana state football complex in order to just gain clarity. He would have to go on a walk with his wife because it was overwhelming him. And, uh, whew. Yeah, it's it's heavy. It's it's uh, and when you listen to him and you see him talk about it, it it just magnifies it. All right, where do we want to move next? I don't I don't know how anything else to say on that. That's uh... well, we had mentioned um, lastly, you know, one of the uh, to kind of talk about him talking to the players and his regrets of them getting. Uh, you know, not, not being the first to know essentially, or his staff not being the first to know. He, he mentioned that we do have a, we do have a clip from Colton pool, asked him a question about like, how, how did it, how did the players, how did the players take it? Why don't you play that clip? Yeah, you talked a little bit about it already, but I'm wondering if you could expand on the process of, you know, talking to the players about this and what their kind of reaction was. Yeah, I'd say it was, it was somber. Um, and, you know, for the most part, that's between us, you know, that's between me and the boys. I think they understand um, maybe not the why. Uh, I think the hardest thing was the timing, you know, coming off the Boise thing and then this happens. I think that was the hardest thing for people to understand. And there's like, there's just no way that you control timing of opportunities. That's impossible. And I, I think that they get what the opportunity is. I think the difficult thing for them was the kind of the timing um, and the why. And, uh, you know, I kind of told them that the why doesn't really matter, you know, um, but let's talk about this. And so, yeah, it was, you know, it was a good conversation. To me, Jeff Chode almost kind of, one of the few times you hear Jeff Chode actually kind of have a hard time finding words. I don't know if it was, it was just so like, awful and awkward for him that he didn't really know even how to talk about it. It's, it's interesting how I read that, but uh, clearly not an easy conversation to have with people, with his players. No, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. P- put yourself in the player's position too. You, your heart goes out to them. Like there's probably a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty, uncertainty for them right now. Although when Jeff Choate was doing this press conference, word had it that uh, Leon Costello was meeting with, with the players and their families to tell them, you know, what the plan is going forward, that they were going to enact a national surge that, you know, they want to keep the core of the coaching staff together. That would be uh, something going forward that they're, that they will emphasize. So all this is happening at the same time. It's just mind, mind boggling, honestly. That's true. So, Hmm. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the initial reactions. We've talked a bit about the why for Jeff Cho. I mean, let's let's talk a little bit more about the why before we get into this legacy. Because clearly, there's there's stuff in this in the in this press conference that he we didn't play here, but Jeff Cho mentions very much that he wants to challenge himself. He wants to keep moving. He wants to be another part of a rebuilding program. He 
I don't remember who said it to Jeff Jody. He said maybe maybe it's his wife who said it to him. Like you're like you're like the the home builder. You get the home built, and then you move out before the landscaper comes in and even landscapes the house. <laughs> like he gets it ready and he's just gone. He's like this is he's like he even admits it's kind of him his him kind of his mo. So here he is, another opportunity to go rebuild a national brand, a, a, a program that is in need of a rebuild with a pretty amazing staff. Like why would you? How could you not go work for some absolute veteran? big name guys like, like Texas are going to go work for. So a lot of it was Jeff Choate um, just wanting to compare himself to the best in the business. He said something along those lines too, like just wanting to, you know, challenge yourself in that way. So I think that was a big part of it too. I think it's a big part of the why um, Jeff Choate did mention that he's gone about as far as he can go at MSU financially, but he also reiterated that's not why he's leaving, but you know, that's certainly doesn't hurt the situation that he's going to go make six hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars, three times as much money he's making at MSU. So, just, just, what did you think about? Besides how hard it was and all that stuff, his reasons for leaving MSU. I mean, just, just what, what else do you think about that? Well, he has stated that he wants to advance his career uh, and position himself to be a head coach uh, in a big time school, right? So. This makes sense. And I think when he got passed up for Boise State and he saw that his credentials maybe uh, negated that position for him, this makes sense. This makes sense. So, um, I mean, like you said, Ryan, like he's going to join like an all-star staff and I think he's going to have fun down there. You know, he's going to, he's going to push himself again and He's going to coach football, like he said. <laughs> he's not just going to be an administrator. Uh, he's excited for that. But yeah, I mean, Jeff Choate is a driven man. And if, if you listen to him throughout the years, you know, the writing was on the wall all, always. He, he never would, he would never like lead on and say, you know, I'm just going to, I'm here for the long haul. He almost, you almost felt like he had a five-year plan. And look where we're at, five years into this. And he has, uh, he's moved on. I have a quote highlighted here from the press conference. We don't have the audio for it, but he said, sometimes you got to take a step backwards to take another step forward. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what it boils down to. I think Jeff Choate's ultimate goal is to be a head coach at a big time G5, P5, whatever program. And this is, I think you're right. He looked at the, he didn't get the Boise State job. He probably took a step back. Like, all right, what did I, what can I do to get this job? What didn't I have? And it comes very clear that the, uh, his glaring weakness isn't his interviewing, isn't his culture, isn't his results even on the field. It's his resume. So what do you got to do? You got to go build your resume up. And, you know, it just turned out that he had a great opportunity that just fell in his lap, like you said. And, I mean, when you start reviewing all these facts and comparing to how you felt on Friday, and the facts start coming out and hearing Jeff Choate talk about it completely changed my tune on it and I completely am happy for Jeff Choate and I applaud his decision and uh, I would have probably done the exact same thing. Yeah. You can't fault the man for wanting to better his life, to better his profession or better his, uh, you know, his, um, not profession, (laughs) but uh, just the work he's doing. So yeah. Happy for Jeff. All right. Well, where are we headed next? We've talked about the why. So, yeah, we got to get into Jeff's legacy now. What did he mean to MSU? What did he mean to the fans of MSU? And what did he mean to you and me, Ryan? Man, this is a hard question. He's... Right? So, (laughs) you have a a sheet there full of questions. There's one that I asked you to ask, (laughs) specifically. I think it's a good time to talk about this. Why did MSU fans appreciate Jeff Choate so much? I think he was universally liked when it came up that he was going to be a finalist or even a candidate for the Boise State job. I don't think you could have found a Bobcat fan on the planet who was happy about that, who was happy about Jeff Choate leaving, which is a rare thing in college football. In a a fan base as passionate as Montana State, pretty much to have universal praise, like everyone likes the guy, you could find some flaws or like, all right, next step type things you can talk about, but the progress he had made in the, in the season we just come off of, I don't think anybody was upset about it. So when you talk about that kind of stuff, it's like, 
what made him so endearing to Bobcat fans, it's not just going for and against the Grizz. All that that's a huge key piece of it. It's just the fact that he was so genuine. He was so fun to listen to on press conferences. He did so much for the program. He was such a great ambassador for Montana State. He went to bat getting us facility upgrades, fundraising, whatever he needed to do to advance this program into his rebuilding mentality. He did it. And it's so much more than wins and losses and X's and O's. It's just the way he made Montana State football relevant again, not only in Montana, but nationally. So I think it's so much more than any sort of victories or Grizz type things. I think, I mean, that's that's really how I feel about it. It's just, it's a lot more than that. And just, it's Jeff Cho and what he meant to the team and a program and to the players and the kind of program he read ran and the culture he built. Ryan, I don't think you could have said it better, man. You, you, you nailed it. You really did. Uh, his reach was so far past just beating you, Vim. It was, it was an entire culture change when Jeff Choate came, um, he he just endeared himself with his bravado, with his just caring nature, uh, with his father um, figure. Man, I just love the man so much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we we we, t- we joked about it the other day. It's like uh, in our other podcast, I was like, I'm two steps away from getting the Jeff Choate tattoo on my arm. I'm glad I was going to ask you, did you get that done or not? Because that's going to be not fun to have forever. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, it just kind of shows what he means to me. Like, I, I, I tell everybody, like, I, I told my mom today, I was like, mom, we lost our coach. And my mom almost started crying. My mom does not watch football. She's like, didn't you love this coach? And I was like, yes, he was my favorite coach of any, any sport I've ever, ever cheered for. And so she just, she felt that moment and she, she just knew. And like, he was to me, Ryan, he just felt like such a fantastic leader. Like I just wanted to always, I always like just envied the players. It's like, man, I just wish I could just listen to him talk more. Like I want to be, I want to be underneath his leadership. And you saw what happened just in, um, in the, in the athletic program, Leon Castillo. I mean, he, uh, all the coaches, Danny Sprinkle talked about him today. <laughs> like everybody just had just such positive things to say about Jeff Choate. Um, Bethany Cordell would always be like, that's my coach. And I just think about Jeff Choate, not only just being at like a father figure, but just being a champion for, um, all of his players, players of color. Um, he, Jeff Choate was not afraid to talk about, um, the things that were the racial inequalities that were coming to the surface this year. And, uh, he was very much on the forefront of that. And well, I, I just think MSU hit gold when they hired Jeff Choate. Uh, he's definitely set the foundation for Montana state, uh, to go forward. And, uh, just, wow. We were just so lucky to have him for the last five years. I mean, you hit it, the nail on the head. I mean, Jeff Choate may in fact, he does have flaws. Like we're not sitting here saying Jeff Cho is a perfect coach. Uh, he obviously his quarterback struggles. I would say rest pretty, pretty squarely on his shoulders. Uh, lots of X and O's type stuff, but it, the, the results end up speaking for themselves. Like Jeff Cho was a bigger, bigger believer in culture being what leads a program to success than any sort of X's and O's or type things like that. He was like believe in the the process, believe in the system, believe in the culture. And the wins are going to come. And it all, it did. Like the Bobcats were going to be more physical and tougher and just work harder than anybody else. And that's what really ultimately led to the success. I think, I do believe Choate had a lot of unfinished business here. And he alluded to it in his brief um, statement between job searches, whatever you want to call it, job potentials. But he's just like, you couldn't ask for a better leader. And I've learned so much about Football, I've learned so much about life, and it's crazy to say that from like a football coach, but just the way he speaks and like the, the the life experiences he has, like you can learn a lot just listening to Jeff Cho, and it's it's pretty crazy. But um, I, I mentioned the cult, uh, the foundation thing. We do have a uh, another line here from um, Jeff Cho on the foundation that he believes has been laid 
And uh, this is from, I don't know who this is from. I believe this was an ex- expansion on a qu- question that Coulter Nuanas may have asked earlier. But here is Jeff Choate talking about the found- foundation at MSU. One thing I can tell you is this isn't a house of cards. There's a great foundation here at Montana State. And I know they're going to attract a high quality candidate who is going to be able to, you know, add that little bit that uh, can get this program over the hump and, and, and winning that championship. And so. So there you go, Jeff Choate, talking a little bit about the foundation he believes has been set at his time at MSU, building off what we we're just talking about, uh, the foundation we believe he left as well on our side. So, I mean, where do you want to go from here? What should, what should we talk about now? This is the hard well, part, right? The way we're just kind of like, where do we go? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a microcosm of our feelings, though, too. <laughs> it's like All over we the place. Hold, we want to hold on a little bit. It's it's clear that he set the foundation at Montana State. I mean, that's that's obvious. We're we're top ten, top five team in the FCS, uh, and that was that was that took a long time. That took a long time to get there. Uh, when he first came in, it took five years, but uh, we're, we're in a great spot. Montana State's in a great spot right now across all levels of athletics. And uh, Jeff Choate was definitely had a major hand in that. So what do you think was Jeff Choate's like, what really elevated the football team from the 2015 first losing season, first losing season at MSU in what, 15, 14 years, whatever, Rob Ash's final season what do you think Jeff Choate really did to the program that just elevated it to completely rebuilt it and, and elevated it relatively quickly with within four years, third year playoffs, fourth year nationally ranked all the way to the semifinals? Well, being a teacher, I would have to say this all would have to come back to relationships because when you have good classroom culture, it's always based on relationships. So relationships would be the priority and you hear Jeff Toad talk about that, but I also think he brought um, accountability and a toughness that was missing from Montana State football. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, you could, we're going to talk about culture and we're going to play a clip here soon from um, culture Nuanez where he asked Jeff Toad about culture, but that was a big part of it, right? Toughness, toughness, mentally tough, toughness, physically, we're going to out physically tough anybody that we played but also mentally, I mean, I don't want to wax too much on the Rob Ash era, but Rob Ash teams weren't really known for being very mentally tough when the chips got kind of down. That was kind of, you know, they might, I don't want to say give up easier than you would like, but you know, things just got out of hand and I'm not going to speculate on why and all that stuff. I'm not going to get into that, but Jeff Choate, man, his teams competed to the end. They were scrappy. They fought hard and they played hard for Jeff Choate. Like, I feel like, one of the biggest differences between maybe Rob Ash and, and Jeff Choate would be Jeff Choate players just seem to play hard for Choate. Choate was such a player's coach, but at the same time, I think he also set the culture perfectly that he can leave now and someone else can come in. And now they're not playing for Jeff Choate anymore. They're playing for Montana state and the culture and the brand because the culture he set the, some, and which has also been laid out by the players now. I, I think this is a big theme from Jeff Choate's time here too, is that the players are now showing the younger players like what it means to be a Bobcat. Like that's a big thing to me. That's a big change. So um, the culture is a big part of it. And uh, it's a good time to play a audio clip from the press conference when Coulter Nuanez asked him a little bit about culture. Um, here's what Jeff Choate had to say. I think, you, I think we've done a really good job of keeping the, the main thing, the main thing. Uh, and I think culture starts with vision. Like that's, that's what drives the culture. You got to kind of know what you want it to look like. And the, the first piece of my vision here at Montana state was to take care of my people and add value to their lives. And, uh, and our people are our support staff, our coaching staff, you know, I mean, Bill, I think can attest to this, you know, I make a point to stop into Bill's office almost every day. And it's not because, you know, his office is spacious and, and clean and neat and I have a nice place to sit. <laughs> Um, it's because I want him to know that I value him and his role here at Montana state. And that's the type of culture that we wanted to build was to make sure that the, the, the support staff, they're there for our student athletes, my staff, and, uh, most importantly, our student athletes knew that my number one job was to take care of them and add value to their life. 
And, uh, and I think that's why we've been able to drive this culture is because we've kept it about our people. And most importantly, we've always made decisions in conjunction with Leon and Waded uh, to do what was best for our players here at Montana State. Man, what a great snippet there. It might not, might not be something that you'd normally associate with culture. You might just focus about the Montana State football team and the culture related there. But Jeff Choate talked about the entire culture of everyone involved with athletics at Montana State, from anywhere from Bill Lamberty, who was the SID, all the way, I mean, everybody. And that was such a, not eye-opening, but very interesting to hear his perspective on what culture means. It's taking care of everybody and no one making sure that you add value to anybody's life that's associated and helping the athletic programs, in particular the Montana State Bobcat football team, advance upwards in in the in their athlete in their abilities. So I think it was a very interesting clip and I, I really liked it. So Thorny, do you agree with me that this bleeds over to us fans as well? I mean maybe this is the reason why we're having such a hard time processing that Jeff Choda is leaving because we feel like he cared about us as well. He added value to my life and now he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good question. We hadn't previously discussed that, but uh you know, it is a hard pill to swallow, and, and it's not because you're just losing such a good coach who was winning winning football games. It's because you you were losing a guy that just meant more to you than just mere football, and it's hard to put into words, but you're right. It's more than just that, and it's, it has to be with the culture and him adding, him just connecting with everybody, adding value to your life in some way or another, and making sure that you feel appreciated, and so maybe that's why. Maybe that's part of the reason that it just stings in the way that it does yeah absolutely so all right man well i think i think i'm ready to talk about jeff's legacy yep i was hoping you would say that because i was like oh no he's gonna he's gonna move on to the next segment with the way he's transitioning there but yes let's talk about his legacy <laughs> at montana state what is his overall record let's let's pull it up first and foremost 28 and 22 that's what you have in this document is that correct yeah. i assume that's correct so correct when you look at the pure wins and losses, it's not going to jump out of the page to you, but he took us, I think his legacy is that he rebuilt Montana State from a program that was struggling. And I'm not saying Rob Ash didn't have a role in there for a bit, but things fell off at the end for whatever reason. And maybe Jeff Cho even mentioned this in his press conference. And again, we don't have the audio for it, but he said something about the fact that it's like, it's better to go out on top than to be forced out later. Something like that. Do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. But basically, like, I'm not going to outstay my welcome. So I got it rolling, and I'm going to get out while it's still hot. Maybe something like uh, Rob Ash maybe stayed too long, and that's where things went off the rails. I have no idea. This is just pure speculation. But I think that's the biggest thing that Jeff Choate, his legacy was that we brought us back Back, back to the forefront of discussion of um, national relevance. Um, he owned the state. He really put an emphasis back on recruiting in Montana, which made Montana like something to be feared in Montana. I'm sorry, Montana State to be something feared in Montana again. And he beat the Grizz four times in a row, which is, I'm not going to gloss over it. It is a very impressive thing to do. It's going to injure you to Bobcat fans alone. And it, and it's such a big contradiction between Rob Ash and Jeff Cho in terms of like how they treated Cat Grizz. I think, you know, that was the biggest one of the biggest knocks on Ash is like he just said like it's just another game. It's not just another game. Jeff Cho knows it's another game. And maybe he put too much emphasis on it. I don't know. But the fact that we made it all the way to number four <laughs> ranking last year, um, we beat plenty of other ranked teams besides the Grizz last year, including Simo, Albany, Austin P all the way into the playoffs. Like it wasn't just a Grizz thing that endeared himself to Bobcat fans. So I think his legacy is just bringing Montana State back to where it should be in its rightful place. The only thing I would add to that is I think his legacy was also set by his demeanor and candor with everyone around him. He really set the example of what a coach should look like with the media and also with just People in general, he was, he always seemed to have a good you know, attitude when he was in front of the camera. I mean, I think Jeff Cho just like, likes being in front of the camera, let's be honest, but I think Jeff Cho likes was, talking. 
good or bad. He's honest when he does it, but I don't think he minds talking to people. But when you talk to the members of the media and you listen to them, they really appreciate Jeff Choate. And I think uh, he set a good example for coaches going forward. And I think that's, that's going to be a big part of his legacy. Yep, that's another great, good way to look at, too. Just some off-the-field stuff, too. There's the how he treated people, how he what he kind of redefined being a Bobcat means, and that, like you said, we, we listened to a clip today from Danny Sprinkle talking about it. It's amazing how much Jeff Choate's influence permeated to every single athletic department at MSU. Mm-hmm. I think he was just such a standard and such a, a guy to be looked up to and lead by example. Like, it just permeated to everyone, so... I think that's another legacy he left too. It was just his leadership and his just uh, showing that you can be bigger than what you're just your little department. Yeah. Before we move on from Jeff Choate's legacy, <laughs> should we mention, I feel like we need to, this has been a very pretty positive glowing review of Jeff Choate. What, what would you say Jeff Choate's, um, legacy is in, in terms of like something that you wish would have been better. What could be, what could have been improved upon during Jeff Choate's legacy and what can maybe the next coach who comes in grab on and to, and take to the next notch up, up to the next level. That's such a good question. I know you and I have talked extensively specifically on this podcast about his mismanagement or our perceived uh, notion of mismanagement of quarterback at Montana state. And that's been a knock on his for a while. Uh, we always thought Jeff Cho was such a great defensive mind of uh, coaching. He would be the first to admit that, that that was his focus. Like in the, uh, one of the things that you won't hear, but was talked about in that press conference was it's like, well, first time I got to Montana state first year, I tried to be head coach, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, and linebackers coach all at the same time he goes and what the biggest thing i learned was i just needed to hire smart people and let them do the job <laughs> and i think uh i think he should maybe listen to his 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 own advice right there on on um offense and who's to say you know we saw that the basically there was a turning point in the offense when matt miller took over play called playing call duties. And I think that's was a little bit turning point for Jeff Choate as well. And we have never seen Justin Udy call a single play in a meaningful game. We saw it in the fall brawl, but that was just a scrimmage. And now we are looking at this, uh, uh, spring schedule and who knows if Justin Udy is going to stick around, you know, that's to be determined, but there is knock. If there's something he can improve upon, I, th- I thought maybe just allowing, allowing other offensive minded people to, to kind of run the show. I know he wanted to be a run first offense. I, I didn't have a problem with that, but it just seemed like maybe initially his claws or his mittens around the offense was just too tight. And uh, we were starting to see a little bit like he was letting it go, but then the pandemic hit and we couldn't play ball in the fall. And I, I really think honestly, if we would have saw this year, Ryan, it would have been, it would have been different. I mean, I, I just, that's my gut feeling on it. I think we probably saw the best version of Montana state football maybe ever this year. So, but now, now we won't get to see that. I mean, so. Jeff Choate, this is his first time being a college football head coach, Montana mm-hmm. state. So there was some definite learning on the job. Um, and I think you're right. It was trending in the right direction. Obviously, obviously the two biggest knocks. And, the, and like you said, one of them is perceived, and this is just what we hear and what we kind of see ourselves, but it's hard to really make tangible in any way, but his, uh, yeah, letting his coaches do their own thing. Like the rumor and the chatter is always that Jeff Choate likes to micromanage. He likes to, you know, I think he believes so much in the process and stuff that he just like, I got to have it done exactly how I want it done. So (laughs) I can do it myself kind of situation where he tried to do too much or maybe didn't let enough guys, you know, shed their wings and shed their wings. What am I looking for? <laughs> Wings and fly. What is that? What's that saying? Good God. Spread. <laughs> I think he didn't let their coaches spread their wings and fly as much as he could have. Um, but a lot of that I attribute to just the fact that he was learning how to be a head coach. So yeah, I think his biggest legacy, like on the negative side would be um, 
coach. I mean, just, yeah, quarterback, really. It's it's hard to say. Like, maybe maybe not winning some of the games against the upper other upper-tier Big Sky t- conferences, maybe not winning that Big Sky Conference championship could be something you look at as legacy and say they're not quite complete because of these kinds of things. But I've said this on the, in the past, the Big Sky Conference championship doesn't really mean anything anymore when you have so many stupid teams in this conference. <laughs> you can get a four seed and be th- third place in the Big Sky Conference standing. So it's not as important anymore. But I'd say, I guess, yeah, his biggest uh, missing piece of his legacy, I guess how, how I would phrase it would be winning those games against the other elite teams in the Big Sky besides the Grizzlies and uh, not ever developing, being able to really develop a quarterback. There's all sorts of reasons that that could have uh, transpired, but the point is at the end of the day, he never really had a solid quarterback play at Montana State in the way that MSU needed to advance further in the playoffs. So overall, though, I mean, those are just, I'm saying those just because I want to kind of talk about both ends of the legacy, but overall, the, the obviously the positives far, far, far exceed any negatives on his legacy. So, I mean, that's a good springboard into maybe what's next, because if you start thinking about what's next, he's built this thing. And now you're looking for a guy to come in to take that next step, to push them maybe in the offensive way that he was enabled to do. And so that's, that's an exciting thought. So if, if Jeff Choate leaving is got you in the blues, maybe take a look and, and think about, well, you know, maybe we can have a guy that comes in here that gets the culture that will sustain the culture, but has more of a dynamic way of thinking about offense. I think that's an exciting thought. Yeah, and I think I think he was really coming around on that too. I think it's why he hired Justin Udy, um, was to get a complete outsider's take, a young up and comers like fresh ideas, and to kind of get things moving for him. So, um, I think the future was going to be bright for MSU. I think you're right that this could have been Jeff Choate's best team to date, even with some big time guys leaving this year, graduating, and all that stuff. But I think um, Ch- Choate was definitely trending in the right direction. But uh, you know, I think really. MSU is positioned very well, um, possibly, in Jeff Choate's word here, poised for greatness. So let's play a clip here from the uh, press conference by, uh, again, another question by Culture Nuanes, who always brings it with the questions. Here we go. And I think this program is poised for greatness. It is poised for greatness. Great leadership in athletics and on the university side, a loaded roster, a great group of young men. I'm very hopeful that they will retain our staff and keep that intact because I think that continuity is a huge part of the success here. And, uh, and it's time for those guys to roll. So if you listen to the entire press conference, you're going to hear a theme from Jeff Choate several times about next type type steps, continuity. I think it's a big thing Jeff Choate believes in. He's built the program where he wants it. He's got the culture where he wants it. But now the next piece is keeping things, you know, keeping that continuity there, even though, yeah, obviously Jeff Choate's leaving now, but I think that's a big thing he believes in for MSU continuing the success and taking the next step forward. So, Foley, what did you think of uh, Jeff Choate's kind of comment there on potential at MSU? I think he's exactly right. I mean, we are at a spot right now that (laughs) it might feel like you're on a precipice, but I don't think we are. I think we're in a good spot regardless of who comes in as our next our next coach. I, I would expect good things from Montana State in the next couple of years. I agree. I think Jeff Choate left us in a great position. Um, looking forward, uh, we had talked about possibly talking about the coaching search right now. I think we might actually leave that to another episode. I think it's a whole other episode's content's worth. Like, what is MSU looking for a head coach? Where should we be looking? And it's been announced who's on the search committee right now. And there's lots of information on that. Um, we're already going a little over an hour here, so I think we'll keep it short here. But maybe maybe instead of talking about MSU's next coach, why don't we kind of get into some fun stuff? What is, Foley, what is your favorite Jeff Choate memory? Jeff Choate either coaching a team, like a game that Jeff Choate was the coach in, um, a Jeff Choate moment in a press conference or something like that. Uh, you got a favorite? I do. I think I had two come to mind. Um, his first year of coaching, we went down to Cedar City. We were playing in Southern Utah. 
it was a hot day because I know it was a hot day because uh, at the very end we lost to Southern Utah and we were at a string of losses. It was I think this was right before UC Davis uh, in 2016 when we won and then the next week we went and beat the Grizz. But uh, at the very end of the game, Jeff Chope in his sunburned face was on camera and and you could tell the the winning was or the losing was just getting to him. But you know what? One thing I just really, really remember was he was smiling. And he, in, in Jeff Choate fashion, he talked about believing in the process, you know, defining who you were as a Bobcat. And um, that, you know, I, I can't remember what he said, but it gave me hope. And, and when you have hope after, a, I, don't, I don't remember how many games we lost in a row that, at that point, but we were pretty bad that, that first year. I was... It soothed me. It soothed my angst. It soothed like my questions about him. And it was just endearing. It endeared me to him even more at that moment. And my second favorite memory about Jeff Chilt was his reaction to winning the Austin P game uh, in 2019 when we played uh, to go into the quarterfinals. Dang it, that's on my list too. Yeah, his, um, <laughs> his, his fist pump after the game... That game in itself is one of my favorite games. And so it was, it's it's, uh, it's always on my mind when I think about Montana State football. But his fist pump, his uh, Derek Marks' play. I mean, the whole team just kicked ass that that um, that game. But I just remember him <laughs> like when ESPN cut to them when the clock rolled zeros. And he's just giving his big old fist pump. I just love the fire of, of Jeff Chubb, man. I just love to see him pumped up like that so uh you know those two memories will always stick out in my brain yeah that was definitely one that was on my radar so i'm gonna pivot to two other memories i had here um (laughs) here we go both of these are grizz related but i couldn't really think of at the uh this is actually spur of the moment because we didn't really talk about doing this beforehand at least i didn't have anything planned so one of the things that uh showed me that Jeff Cho understands what it means to be a Bobcat and to take care of business in the state is that picture with him, with Ty Gregorak, given the three flash sign after beating the Grizz. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah. I would say that would be a, just a, and it's cool. I guess just, he understands it. He gets it. He's celebrating in the moment. He's having a good time. You like a coach who knows how to have fun like that. So I thought that was pretty cool. And honestly, my, Along the same lines of putting emphasis on the importance of Cat Grizz, and this is this is a theme only because, and I'm definitely one of those Cat fans who thinks there's way more to Bobcat football than beating the Grizz, but that needs to be a staple. Like it, norm, number one, the Grizz are usually top of the of the conference, so you got to beat them anyway. We got to play them every year. If they're number one, we got to beat them. So, um, but just that first year when it wasn't going our way. We got things under control in UC Davis and, and Jeff, Jeff Choate actually talked about this in the press conference. How that was probably one of his favorite memories is that first conference win UC Davis, but then going to Missoula, rallying the troops, getting a game plan together and, and beating the Grizz after the, just the year that they had had. I mean, how much, how much did that mean to you as a Bobcat fan? How, how happy were you going to that off season knowing that, it wasn't a great year, but Jeff Choate, this new coach with the with a gutted roster, freshman playing all over the place, ended the the year on a two game winning streak, including beating the Grizz, something Rob Ash could barely ever even do. Didn't didn't that just give you hope that Jeff Choate maybe maybe might have this thing going the right way? Oh, not not even maybe. It was like injected into my veins. It felt like we were just. Came off of like an undefeated season. We were like four and seven that year. (laughs) Nothing to be proud of, right? The first conference win was UC Davis, second to last game of the season. So we ended on a two-game conference winning streak. We lost every other conference game. (laughs) So by all all, uh, metrics, it was not a very good season. But the way it ended, the optimism I had was way higher than it should have ever been for what it was for just two games, two wins at the end of the season, I was just like, all right, all right, Choate, what do you got next year? Let's see what else this guy can do. So that was definitely, I would say, put at the top of my Jeff Choate moments because it showed me that he cares and that he's going to get this thing headed in the right direction. 
even though it wasn't obvious to maybe a lot of people or many people at the time. I just felt like, all right, here we go. And one thing I want to do here, uh, we're talking about Jeff Trump memories. We both kind of gave good uh, memories there. We didn't get a lot of feedback on this one. Um, yeah, we got a we got a story here on the Bobcat Nation, a private message from Joe Bobcat. Um, he has a good Jeff Trump story. Um, I'm not. I'll just probably just pretty much read this word for word because I'm not going to try and retell the story or anything like that. But Joe Bobcat messages messaged me saying he's well into his 60s, so I should have known better enacted my age, but after Coach Choate's second win over the Grizz, you know, the first time in Bozeman, um, I saw him walking back to the field house. I turned to my son and said, hold my beer. The most Montana phrase ever, right? Hold my beer. (laughs) (laughs) And ran towards the coach, bear hugged him and actually lifted him off the ground. Uh, We ended up talking and laughing and, you know, said our goodbyes. The following summer, I was at a Bobcat function when Choate was touring the state. I approached him and introduced myself. After we had talked for a few minutes, I told him I wanted to apologize for giving him that bear hug last fall. His his eyes popped wide, and he said, with surprise, that was you? We laughed, and he said, no apology needed, and how one of the best parts of how everyone's jaw at our tailgate dropped. I'm sorry. One of the best parts was that how everyone's jaw at the tailgate dropped. Flash forward about a year or more at another Bobcat function. I stepped up, and I said hi to Choate, and he he turned to an assistant coach beside him at the time, and he said... You got to watch this one. If the mood strikes him, he'll bear hug you and lift you off the ground. (laughs) (laughs) So he just said, thanks for the work you did here and great memories, Coach Choate. So pretty funny. Um, I can imagine, I can't imagine when I'm 60, I'm going to be able to bear hug hug a guy like uh, Jeff Choate's size and lift him off the ground. So kudos to you for having the stamina to do that. But a pretty funny story. Jeff Choate remembered it. Couldn't quite picture who bear hugged him, but uh, yeah. Pretty pretty fun story. Good, thank you, Joe Bobcat, for that for the story there. I think it's a good Jeff Choate story. Oh, awesome story! And what a way to end this podcast with just a smile on my face. Come full circle, <laughs> man. I mean, at this point, I just want to say how much Jeff Choate meant to me. The program. I want to say thank you to Jeff Choate. I wish you, if you for whatever reason are listening to this podcast, I want to wish you the best luck at Texas. I hope it works out well for you. I hope you get what you're looking for. I hope you get that next rebuild that you crave. And uh, yeah, just good luck, Jeff Choate. And thank you for all the memories. I, I don't know if I, I can say what I would, what what I really want to say, but uh, I'll just say this, you know, I, I love Coach Choate and I'm, I'm going to miss him. What would Jeff Choate's last message to Bobcat fans be? Well, John Miller of KBZK asked him just that at the press conference. I'll play that for you now. Coach, what's one last thing you want to say to Bobcat fans? That's a good question, John. Um, You know, I'd say it's been a hell of a ride. Um, This place has embraced our family and it's been awesome. And no matter where I go, what I do, I will always be able to say I never lost to Montana.